Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. It is Tuesday, January 10th. It is seven minutes after nine, and you're listening to The Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. So it was the first day of the Indiana General Assembly yesterday. They all came in, they gathered, they hugged, they brushed each other's hair, and then got down to business. What's the deal with you and Holcomb? (laughs) So the the first day, Casey... I don't know if you were technically working here or not. I don't know if you had started or not. Casey's setting things up in her office, and I'm getting ready to leave, and she just looks at me and goes, so what's the deal with you and Holcomb? And I politely responded, you don't have enough time. How long you got? (laughs) All right, well, let's talk about this. The Indiana Family and Social Services Administration lost lost nearly three dozen laptops. This was worth an estimated $21,800, and this was part of the setting up and the winding down of the statewide vaccination hotline during the middle of the pandemic. So it's being reported that about 53 laptops are gone, poof, missing. I cannot tell you the colossal waste that takes place in state government. And during the governor's race in 2020, of all the hyper-offensive things that Lockdown McGee, High Tax Holcomb, whatever we're calling him today, did. Well, it wasn't the VIP meet-and-greet with domestic terrorist Malik Muhammad. It wasn't trying to put you in jail for not wearing a mask. It wasn't shutting down tens of thousands of businesses. It wasn't putting a million people out of work. It, It wasn't any of that. That stuff was its own thing. But in a statewide televised debate, he had the audacity to look into the camera when they were talking about waste in government and say, we have cut state government. The direct quote was, we have cut state government to the bone, Mm -hmm. I believe. I cannot tell you, as someone who once worked in state government and who has many, many friends in state government, and as Casey knows, once had someone who not all that long ago, who is very, very close to me, Mm -hmm. who worked in state government, who got the hell out of there as fast as possible, the colossal dumpster fire that is the state of Indiana, how poorly it's run, and the colossal amount of waste that is engaged over there on a daily basis. And look at this. They lost, Casey, Mm -hmm. $21,000 in laptops. Why? Because it wasn't theirs. Because they rushed to set up this stupid vaccine hotline without really any sort of paperwork or verification or anything. The money's here. The money's flown in from the federal government. Just throw it up there. Who cares? Mm -hmm. We'll deal with it later. And they don't care. There's not going to be a single prosecution. No one's going to be held accountable. Most of these weren't lost. They were stolen and not returned. So the inspector general's office found that in the rush to get that call center, Indiana's 211 hotline, up and operational, the agency did not document very much. It didn't track which contract employee got which laptop. And in fact, one employee asked if Knowledge Services could withhold the last paycheck from employees employees who failed to return the laptop and that employee was told no so what do you think that that employee had in mind at the end of their run so are you gonna hold on to my last paycheck if i don't return this laptop (laughs) no Hmm. so so think about when we got hired when urban one bought wibc Mm -hmm. from emmis 
and we had the orientation. They gave us, not everybody, but they gave us, those of us who do production at home or in the field or whatever, et cetera, a laptop. And think about the tracking that we went through mm-hmm. or the verifications, et cetera, when we were given that laptop. Had to turn your old laptop in and then they reassigned us new ones. And it's numbered and they've got a bunch of stuff on there. And I have no I, no doubt that every time I open that laptop, someone is tracking me when I do it, <laughs> which is fine. It's company property. Yeah. It belongs to someone else. Urban One and the fine people who own Urban One are the owners of that laptop. We're just using it. In the case of the state of Indiana, mm-hmm. we the taxpayer or the owner of that laptop, but because the people who, if Urban One loses a laptop, that's money out of their pocket. So you're right, they care where every single laptop is. But because in state government, just like in the federal government, just like in local governments, it's not theirs, so they don't care, and $21,000 out of people's pockets, huh? Oh, well. Yeah. The Indiana State Police submitted the investigation to the Marion County Prosecutor's Office, but to gl- declined to prosecute the case, citing poor business practices. Poor business practices from your state government. And, so, and, and we are led to believe from our governor that the state government has been cut to the bone. During COVID, I cannot tell you the amount of state employees, many of them who desperately wanted to work, mm-hmm. some of them who just went into work for fun and sat there with no one there because they tried to find things to do, even it was cleaning the office, who were sent home for months on in with limited or no communication from their supervisors with nothing to do. Not the employee's fault. The employees wanted to work. It's because state government is horrific. Federal government, horrific. State government, wasteful. Federal government, wasteful. That is what government does because it isn't their money. And for Eric Holcomb to have the audacity to look at 7 million people in the eye or in the camera or whatever you want to call it and say we have cut to the bone is an insult to every single one of us. So the inspector general's office acknowledged the uniqueness of the pandemic, but then went and told state agencies to prepare now prepare now for future scenarios when they have to hire a large amount of people on short notice so this is a loss we're just gonna mark it as a loss on the pnl statement but next time there's a pandemic rob next time do it right okay talk just, about government waste um Okay, I just, I just, but it keeps happening, Casey. And so I was hoping we could uh, take a break. Okay. And because the it just keeps happening is the theme. Because I had a conversation with somebody yesterday about it just keeps happening Mm -hmm. and how the state and the Republican Party has drifted so far to the left and so far in the entrenched camp of unaccountable, bigger, ever-growing, never-stopping government. And it also line up with uh, a report that Indiana Capital Chronicle had about what's going on with our finances and the budget. Okay, we'll get to that coming up. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. The drinking I did on my last big oh! it made my voice go low. Yeah, remember when I told you I had they an on-air surprise like, for yeah! you? Yeah! This is it. This is... An incredible surprise. Casey, do you know this song? No. It is the greatest song 
ever written by radio about radio. Harry Chapin's W-O-L-D. It's the story how everyone leaves this industry alone and miserable. <laughs> it's very uplifting. Tr- truth in storytelling. Yikes. Kevin, A plus way to start the day. <laughs> yeah, you sent this to me last night, and I thought, this deserves to be the first bump song. Yeah, that's what... Wait, what? you guys are texting each other again and leaving me out? Uh-oh, uh-oh. Well, so here's the thing. So I go for my walk, and when I go for my walk, sometimes songs will just, you know, pop up, mm-hmm. and I will think Kevin would really appreciate this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I just didn't think you would quite appreciate the suffering and awful life path that the guy in this song well, it, had, it, had, it, had trudged down. If you think about it, it really ties into the mentorship. Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, just so you know, the text that I got from Rob last night was, we should add this article <laughs> about the classified documents found in Biden. <laughs> Yeah, I wish University I was, of Pennsylvania. I mean, that's what he sends to me. I wish I was included on that one. <laughs> Not quite as exciting as Harry Chapin. It's 19 minutes after nine. This is the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Your, so if we your, all, your, your challenge for today, yeah. before the day's over, is you go listen to W-O-L-D is the name of the song, mm-hmm. and you tell me if that is not the song about life on the radio for about 95% of the people. Okay, I'll, I'll check it out and report back. I think if we all pool our, to, our money together, do you think we can get the uh, 2.2 million required for the mug and bun? <laughs> Did you see this? It's for sale. I know. An institution yeah. has come up for grabs in central Indiana, the mug and bun in Speedway. Mm-hmm. And people are just up in arms over this. You get four parcels of land, the restaurant, a pizza shop, and a residence. It comes with the business, the furniture, the fixtures, the equipment, everything. $2.2 million. A residence. Now, mm-hmm. I will say this as someone who once owned a radio station and literally lived in the back of the radio station when I was there. Never stop working. There is some merit to investing in the building mm-hmm. and being able to like live right where you work. It saves you an incredible amount on fuel <laughs> and bet. various other rental fees. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about more money. When drafting the state's next budget, lawmakers are going to need to consider the state's ongoing commitments and also one-time obligations. And this is all coming under the cloud of recession, right? This comes after more than a year of revenues outperforming projections. By the end of this year, reserves are estimated to clock in at more than $4 billion. Yeah, so Indiana Capital Chronicle had the article. By the way, speaking of that, we're going to have Nikki Kelly join us next. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about property taxes and the lack of comprehensive plan from the Republicans on that. Here's what's interesting in this story. And Casey, I have been... Let me see here for the people in the YouTube chat. I'm just going to kind of... What am I doing here? Kick your feet up. my feet up here. I'm going to just kind of sit back and uh, watch this because uh, I've been saying for six years on this on various programs that I've been on when the two women were here and then when I had the show with the one woman mm-hmm. and now the show with you and I had the, the other woman the, award, <laughs> the award-winning Rob Kendall show on Sundays and when I was filling for Tony or Hammer Nigel or whatever our state lies to people about being a state that endorses supports and props up socialized medicine. We are an Obamacare state. We just lie to people about what we're actually doing. And we gave it a really cool name because if anything's 2.0 and the person who did the first one, we liked them, well, then we can hide and deflect what's really going on. And in this case, we don't call our socialized medicine Obamacare 
Obamacare, we call it HIP 2.0. And so in this article from Indiana Capital Chronicle, they talk about the expenditures that the state is having to deal with. And what do you know? In this article, they detail that since 2006, the state obligation to Medicare, the Medicaid Assistance Fund, mm-hmm. has more than doubled from $1.4 billion yeah. to $3.9 billion. Now, Mitch Daniels and Mike Pence and Eric Holcomb, they all told me, we are a free market state. We have a free market solution to health care in this state. It sure seems to me like we have one solution, and that is a government solution, which is exactly what I've been telling you people for six years on this radio station. Once again, I was 100% right. Thank you very much. So you're talking about the Medicaid Assistance Fund, which has grown 179%. All under Republicans, right? I mean, now they didn't technically have super, certainly super majorities or the House and the Senate at certain times, but they have at least had one of the branches of government or two of the branches of government since 2006. They've had the governor's office the entire time. And the reason that they do this is because they like legalized vote buying. I don't know how many times I have to be proven correct statistically and it thrown right in front of people's faces. They have grown, that's almost three times. Mm-hmm. The socialized medicine fund is almost three times bigger today than it was in, in 2006. And here's what happens with the Socialized Medicine Fund. And I'm telling you, and, and this is not the fault of the people who are getting it, it is the fault of the state who gives it away. There are tens of thousands of able-bodied people who, because of the way and the variety in which they work, can show a tax return that says they make X amount of dollars. And because there is no oversight of this fund, those people, no matter what they make, or that they're living, or that they have iPhones, or that they're eating, or that they're owning a home, or whatever, continue to get insurance at, in many cases, Five, ten, fifteen dollars a month. Casey, how much is your insurance? <laughs> more than that. A lot more than that. And yes. we're paying for it. And this is the crap I've been talking about. Why do they do that? Because when you give somebody that, well, of course they're gonna vote for you. Eric Holcomb gives me cheap insurance. When in reality, these people could be working and paying their own fair share. Not the fault of the people who get it. You should take every legal avenue possible to improve your existence. This is wholly the fault of the government. It is wholly the fault of the Indiana Republicans because they have and will continue to control everything. This is why they can't do the tax cuts, right? Mm -hmm. This is what we've talked about. The reason they won't come off the money when they have $1,500 of your money sitting in an account with no use and they give you 200 back, why would they do that? Because it's going to places like this, and this will never stop. It only continues to grow. Well, isn't it by signing up for this that the state gets more money from the federal budget? Ah, uh, yes. And our our old pals like Jim Lucas say, well, we're just dealing with the hand the federal government dealt us. It sure seems like you are all too eager mm-hmm. to stick those little pawpaws out there and go, gimme, 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 gimme. more. The state budget director, Zach Jackson, said this is one of the fastest growing appropriations. And another big transition, which is going to cost hundreds of millions of dollars, is pivoting from the fee-for-service model to a managed care model for Medicaid. And this is specifically for home and community-based services. Uh, we talked about this last segment. I know we got to get to a break, and then we'll talk with Nikki Kelly about property taxes. Mm-hmm. But having... 
had to work with these people as a local government official, mm-hmm. having had to work with these people as a state official, having to have heard about these people since I have been out of state government for whatever it's been, eight years now, from various friends who are at various levels of state government. This place is a joke. If you think Indiana is some sort of thing you should hold up to the world, like in The Lion King, and go, look at us, everyone should be like us, you are dreaming. There is colossal waste. There is colossal mismanagement. There is colossal $21,000 worth of laptops go missing. Missing. There is waste of resources, human and otherwise, but people just keep going along with it, so why would they do anything different? So Holcomb has his State of the State address tonight at 7 p.m., so what do you think he's going to say? The state of our state is... Well, he's going to tell you that it's Rich. great. We're the envy of the Midwest. We're the blah, 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 blah. All right. We've got Nikki Kelly joining us next from Indiana Capital Chronicle on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here. You know, Casey, I don't know if you're aware, but this property tax thing, it's kind of a big issue. I've heard something about it. And you may be aware I've been a little critical of the (laughs) inaction by the Republicans. And by inaction, I mean absolutely nothing at all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, the legislative session has begun. And yesterday, the other day, the Indiana Capital Chronicle had a nice report on this detailing What thus far is a lack of comprehensive plan for the Republicans. Now, as we said, there are individuals who have filed individual bills. And, well, let's talk with one of the best reporters in the business from the Indiana Capital Chronicle, Nikki Kelly. Nikki, how are you? Good. How are you guys? I'm great. So now you obviously covered the State House for years and years and years with the Journal Gazette. Now it's Indiana Capital Chronicle. Did your office improve when you switched over to Capital Chronicle? Did you keep the (laughs) same digs? How is it over there at the State House for the new session? Well, because we have a staff of four, we did get an office across the street from the state house. There you go. I previously worked in a shack in the basement, <laughs> but that's not good for more than one person. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about property taxes. You guys had a very nice uh, expose on this. I remain shocked, and many conservatives at least, and Republicans in general remain shocked. This seemed like an issue that would be right in the wheelhouse of the Republicans, given the success they had on property tax reform in 08 and 10. They knew for a year this assessment issue is a big deal but your reporting says that while there are individual bills some of them even coming from democrats there doesn't seem to be a comprehensive plan like there was in 08 or 010 related to property taxes why why do you think that is well i think first of all the reason is because we still don't have the property tax bills i mean you keep saying massive and skyrocketing we get the bills here in a few weeks, you know, they're due in March. Just because your assessment went up doesn't mean your bill's going to go up. Now, it still could, but it's part of a mathematical equation. So if a, if a city or town, for instance, has a budget that stayed the same and people's assessments went up, they can technically charge a 
a lower tax rate to get the same amount of money. So it, it's, I mean, we really don't know yet. And I think we're waiting for some more data to come in through the Department of Local Government Finance to figure out if there's a problem to solve. I think one of the things we base that on is obviously the assessments, but also we have begun to have many people who are calling or writing the show saying, look, my lender is telling me my escrow is going up X amount in anticipation of that. They're kind of in the business of doing those those sort of things. So I think uh, overall, it, it would be safe to say to think, though, that people's property taxes are are going to go up if we're banking on local governments doing the right thing and having, having a lower rate. I, I just think people, when they start getting those letters, they're anticipating, hey, this, this is going to go up. Yeah. I, and I don't know all that goes into them doing that. I mean, for instance, if your escrow was under last year, then they're obviously going to raise it for the year forward. They will take into account the assessed value, of course. I'm just saying I, I think we need more data. It, you mentioned that I was at the Journal Gazette for years. I was around when we first changed to the market-based system back after the property tax system was found unconstitutional. So I went through that whole thing. And I think we're getting the first sort of growing pains of what a market-based system means, which is everyone's selling their property for these huge amounts of money, right? Well, assessments are based on sales disclosures of properties that are selling that are similar to you or yours. So, I mean, that's what we're seeing. And I think lawmakers are being very cautious about whether we sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater when it's, you know, it's kind of cyclical. Like we could see assessments go down in a couple of years. Uh, Nikki Kelly from the Journal Gazette. Or the Journal Gazette. I'm terribly sorry. All those years of doing that. Nikki Kelly from the Indiana Capital Chronicle is our guest. Uh, talking about property taxes, they have a, a great piece out over at IndianaCapitalChronicle.com. Was it a mistake in hindsight to put the tax caps in the Constitution? Because does that now make it harder for them to do large scale reforms because the tax caps are part of the Constitution? Yeah, it does absolutely make it harder. Uh, there's not a lot they can do. I, I mean, they can freeze some assessments, which gets you back. If they start freezing assessments for some people and not others, like, for instance, uh, older people who've had their homes a certain amount of years, that gets us back into the system we were before. We were treating people not the same, and it gets all out of whack. Um, they can freeze tax bills as well, and those, there are some bills on that. But again, focusing on certain groups of people, uh, so that's very complicated. Uh, we did ask Governor Holcomb about this yesterday, and I can read you his quote if you want. Oh, great. Yes. He, he, fi he finally said something. Great. Yes, go, please. <laughs> he Okay, so here what he said. He said they're looking into it. They should know in the next few weeks how it is. He said, um, hold on, let me find this here. This will be discussed. We'll be ready to act if we need to in a very surgical way and not just move away from all the hard work that we've done to provide a lot of certainty when it comes to property taxes for commercial and residential property. Okay, well, at least you see, this is why you're one of the best in the business. Mm -hmm. You finally, after all this time, got him to say something. So great job. Uh, Casey, go ahead. So, Nikki, I want to ask you, because the legislative session just began, what was the vibe? You know, they're they're working on the budget. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the first day is always, you know, sort of pomp and circumstance and hugging and how was your your holidays. It's never very serious. Um, you know, it takes a few weeks to see if, if there's going to be any tension. All the bills aren't even out yet. So it, it's going to be a pretty slow week, obviously highlighted by the governor's state of the state address tonight.
Uh, Nikki Kelly, our guest from the, uh, I did it again, from the Indiana Capital Chronicle. Find her at indianacapitalchronicle.com. I'm sure a whole bunch of radio broadcasters do that with you when you do interviews, right? No, just you, Rob. Just you. Hey, so, you know, I think from our perspective, we look at it and say, look, we're not against property. I mean, I am against property taxes, but we understand they're going to exist. I think our issue is if you're not monetizing that asset, right? You own a stock. If Tesla stock goes up, you don't pay for the Tesla stock until you monetize it. I think about somebody like my dad who's lived in the same home for 37 years and he's never monetized that asset yet he keeps paying and you know, he's a senior citizen now. Are are they appreciating that that that's like part of the equation that people keep getting not only taxed but taxed higher and higher and higher for things that they are not monetizing? Does that register with these lawmakers at all that you're talking to i think it does register with them but you also have to play a little devil's advocate which is your dad is still getting services for that house right and those services go up so the streets fire protection police protection maybe his house hasn't caught fire thank god but those firefighters still have to be there they get paid more every year their insurance goes up you know to be able to staff that firehouse so that's an example of the services still continue And those, obviously, everything's gone up with inflation, including what we're paying people. So, you know, I can see both sides to that argument. Uh, Is there any, I'm asking you to prognosticate here, which I know you're in the reporting Mm -hmm. business, but you also write a a very nice uh, opinion piece now. So now you can prognosticate over at Indiana Capital Chronicle. When we get done with session in April, do you think there will be small tinkers to the property tax structure in Indiana? There will be something big that happens. Happens, there will be nothing that happens at all. If you were a guesser, which you're an uh, editorialist now, you're in the guessing game. What do you think? I think the most we'll probably see is some tinkering or small tweaks. Um, like I said, I think this is the painful part of a market-based system. But, you know, it is a little bit cyclical, and this is unfortunately the year that it goes up. Obviously, we saw property tax, well, the assessments went up about 15% on average. The estimate is going to be 7% for bills. We'll know more in a couple weeks, but I I would bank on more the tinkering side. Now, who do you think is going to take the lead on the tinkering? Uh, I think it'll probably just be individual uh, lawmakers. There are a number of bills out there. There's some vehicle bills that they can put some stuff in. I, I mean, I do, even talking to leadership, they're aware of it. They're ready to deal with that in the second half if they need to, but they're not going to you know, put a lot of time into it in the first half when we don't have all the data yet. Yeah, so that, that's I think that's what she was asking. There's not going to be a thing like with abortion where Rod Bray comes out and says, this bill is starting here. I'm leading on this bill. Here's the general framework. We may have some changes made to it, but here is the plan for the republic it's like like you don't see that happening no and largely because they don't they don't know what the problem is yet so it's hard to define a solution unless you know exactly you know what the data is for what the problem might be okay you can find her over at indianacapitalchronicle.com friend of the show we love her nikki kelly thank you for all you do and thanks for covering the state house you guys do phenomenal job Mm -hmm. we love using your stuff so uh, thanks for your uh contribution to transparency in indiana government thank you you're listening to kendall and casey on 93 wibc 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Good morning, 946. You're listening to the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. And Marjorie Taylor Greene has been defending her position on voting for McCarthy and also taking a selfie with him. She was stripped of her committee assignments last year, worked out a deal with McCarthy to be placed back on a prominent committee if he wins. And he did, so now she will. And now she's fighting with Dr. Dre. She used one of his songs in a video. (laughs) He told her to stop doing that. (laughs) The video was seen by nearly 2 million people, and uh, yeah, she, Dr. Dre said, I don't license my music to politicians. Cut it out! So Marjorie Taylor Greene is one of a handful of people, including our old friend Jim Banks, who uh, just basically, for one reason or another, fell in love with Kevin McCarthy. Mm-hmm. And uh, now look, I will give Banks credit, he doesn't have quite the starry-eyed look and doesn't appear to be sprinting for selfies like Marjorie Taylor Greene is. Now, speaking of Banks, can I just veer off topic here for just a second? Sorry. Sure. sure. He is doing one is of the- Is he texting you? No. Oh, okay. Well, you look down at your phone. No, no, like... I just, I wanted to read this because this, okay. is, this is the most annoying and obnoxious thing in the world where Jim Banks is running for Senate without declaring he's running for Senate. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know like how- it's like there's a sentence, but there's no end to the sentence. Like, this is what he's doing. I'm going to read you this tweet, okay? Mm-hmm. I campaigned on, this is from Jim Banks. I campaigned on balancing the budget and one of the most fiscally conservative voting records in Congress. Senator Braun has led the fight for balanced budgets in the U.S. Senate, and Indiana deserves a senator to replace him who will do the same. What, unless you are actually running for U.S. Senate, mm-hmm. what do these two things have to do with each other? Dude, you're running. You desperately want to be in politics. You're becoming an office hopper. State Senate, U.S. Congress, U.S. Senate. You wanted to be a leader in the House. You didn't get that. If you'd been a leader in the House, you wouldn't have run for Senate. You want to be in power. You want people to want to shake your hand and get a photo with you. Just say it. What, why would the cutesy stuff here? We all know what you're doing. Just say, I'm running for Senate. Put up or shut up. Let's go. His tweets have been uh, really on fire lately. He said one set of rules for anyone named Biden, Clinton, or Obama, and a different set of rules for the rest of us. Classified documents were found at Joe Biden's think tank before the midterms. Why are we just finding out now? Um Here's the tweet I would like Jim Banks to send out if he really is on fire and really is a tough guy and mm-hmm. really proud of what he's done and really, really does think he's conservative. I, I'd like him to send the following tweet. And I mean, I, what? It, how many characters is it on Twitter? Is it 240? Is it 240? I don't know if he could get this in 240 characters or less. He might have to do some editing with it, but I'm going to give it a go here. Are you ready, Casey? Yeah. All right, Jim, I know your people listen all the time and or you're listening. So if you need to write this down, maybe I'll say it more than once. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, let's go. I proudly voted for Kevin McCarthy over and 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 over again. Can you get that in 240 characters? Is it 240? I don't know. We'll have to try that out. But if he really wants to be a tough guy and he really is proud of Kevin, his his undying love for Kevin McCarthy, that mm-hmm. should be the 
tweet he should send out. Well, he, Sorry, I didn't mean to get off on Jim Banks. That just really annoys me. He's like, dude, you want to be a senator. You wanted to be in charge of the House. Your House colleagues scorned you because apparently you're not doing a very good job or very well liked. So you went to the next position of power. We all know what you're doing. And you kissed as much ass as possible so that the Mitch McConnell sweet daddy money will rain down on you when you run for Senate. So just say it. You're running. He also tweeted out that tonight I voted to defund Joe Biden's 87,000 IRS agent army. We need less government, not more. And that's what Marjorie Taylor Greene also said. She posted that Republicans will bring accountability back to Washington. We'll investigate Dr. Fauci. We will repeal the 87,000 IRS army and we'll impeach Joe Biden. And they did that. Their first bill last night was to repeal the funding for the 87,000 IRS agents. Marjorie Taylor Greene said, we believe government should be here to help you, not go after yeah, you. Yeah, but, it, but it's all for show, because that is not going to become law, thanks to, thanks to the Republicans in the uh, Senate. The House of Representatives has no power whatsoever right now. Now, they will have power coming up over the debt ceiling. And boy, if we're really serious about defunding those IRS agents, wouldn't it be great to say, okay, Maybe we'll agree to raise a short-term debt ceiling increase if you uh, eliminate the funding for the 87,000 IRS agents. We'll find out how serious Republicans are when they actually have the ability to influence policy. They knew when they cast this vote. That's like me saying, uh, I'm voting to say that I will uh, scale Mount Kilimanjaro in three days or less. When I know nobody's actually going to force me to scale Mount Kilimanjaro, but I said I would do it. But mm-hmm. nobody's actually making you do it. Uh, here is Marjorie Taylor Greene explaining why she voted for Kevin McCarthy and that she's no rhino and she said everything other than he has really nice hair. Take a listen. So what would you say to the people who are suggesting that just because they disagree with you on this issue of McCarthy, that somehow you're a rhino now? Oh, my goodness. So, well, they're going to quickly find out there's nothing changed about me. And I'll never apologize for posting a picture of our newly elected Republican Speaker of the House after I have suffered and, and truly been persecuted under Nancy Pelosi. I'm not sorry about that. I am so excited that we elected Kevin McCarthy because I know the agenda that he's laid out and he cannot wait to get it passed. We just got to get Republicans together on board for all of us to work hard for the American people and get it done. That is, that is so insulting because Kevin McCarthy did not lay this agenda out. You know who laid the agenda out? The 20 people who kept voting against Kevin McCarthy until he agreed to their agenda. This is the agenda because of people like Matt Gates and like Lauren Boebert and, and like Byron Donalds and Chip Roy. That's the reason this is the agenda. Kevin McCarthy doesn't want anything to do with any of this. He's doing it because he's forced to. Well, she is going to be put back on one of those committees that she wanted. So good for her. She's not in it for the voters. She's in it for herself. But she did have a point, you know, under Pelosi, she was doxxed and what they were also calling in fake. I don't even know what the word was uh, when the police kept showing oh, up swatting, to, swatting, yes. right. When the police kept showing up to her house for no reason. So she did go through a lot under Pelosi. So I imagine personally, yeah, she's really happy. It's McCarthy now. Uh, Next. Can, can we play real quick this audio of Stacey Abrams? If we have to. She was Professional a, campaigner Stacey Abrams. She was on with Drew Barrymore yesterday. Mm-hmm. And Drew Barrymore, who I used to always kind of like, 
Not anymore. No, she is super liberal. I don't know. She probably always was super liberal, but she's just like open about her liberalism now. Mm -hmm. She is so disgustingly excited that Stacey Abrams uh, unprompt. I mean, I don't know for what or why or who would want her to do this, but she has announced she is not giving up. She's going to run for another public office. So what's next? Are you going to run again? Are you going? Like, are you? Do we get to look forward to this and galvanize I, I, again? I, I will likely run again. Yeah! I don't know what, I don't know what. <laughs> Are you going to go up against um, some tough men who kind of don't always play fair? <laughs> well, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And if it doesn't work, you try again. Okay, so two parts of that. One, I have heard people who found out they hit the mega millions who were less excited than Drew Barrymore <laughs> was at the fact that Stacey Abrams is running again. Mm -hmm. And two, I love the fact that Stacey Abrams has now lost twice mm -hmm. in a state where Democrats are winning the Senate races. So clearly not like some radical right wing, you know, anti-woman state. And Georgia just had a woman senator in Kelly Loeffler before the two people who are in there now. By the way, it's Democrat men who took the seat away from the woman there. But that's beside the point. But her thing is, you're going to run against some really, mm -hmm. some really tough men who don't always play fair. Somebody needs to look at Stacey Abrams and tell her, it's not me. Yeah. It's you. <laughs> Think about it in your regular life. I am but a victim of some really tough men who don't play fair. Kevin, when you're calling places to book Uno Gold, if they don't say yes the next time you call someplace, try that as an excuse. Well, I'm just up against some really tough men who mm -hmm. don't play fair. Let's but, see how that goes. Did you notice, too, that Drew Barrymore and Stacey Abrams during that little back and forth were about two feet apart from each other? Yes. But the entire audience... Yes. We're wearing matching yellow masks. Yes, that I think that is a Drew Barrymore thing that her audience will wear so masks. So was Stacey Abrams tested for COVID before she sat next to the, get, to the host? Casey. Casey. By the way, Casey. Stacey Abrams' campaign is $1.4 million in debt. She's going to run again. Here's the thing, though. Let's not jump to conclusions. Drew Barrymore was awesome in The Wedding Singer. <laughs> you just like her because she's cute. It's 9.56. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning.